Hey there, I'm Lucas Fitz. If you know me, you know two things to be true. I love a good pair of denim, and I'm always here for the stories. When I first got into the heritage goods movement and buying intentionally, I looked to American Field as an industry leader in connecting cool brands to cool consumers. There's nothing better than hearing the story behind how a big idea grew into a business. Now, we're bringing it online and inviting you to join in the conversation, whether you're watching or listening along from wherever you call home. I'll be hosting these fireside chats, intimate, personal looks at the inner workings of some of our favorite brands on our AF network. So, sit down, grab a whiskey or coffee or beer, and ride along as we shine the spotlight on real people and real stories. This is AF Fireside. Today's episode is presented by Jamestown, a global real estate investment and management company known for transforming spaces into innovation hubs and community centers. Learn more at jamestownlp.com. Hey there, everyone. Thanks for coming back for another episode of AF Fireside. I'm excited to be talking to, truthfully, one of my favorite brands out there today, I'm talking to the folks at DN 1920. We've got Jim Artiz and Peter Lee. How's it going, guys? Hey, how are you, Luke? Great. Thanks for having us, Lucas. Yeah, I'm psyched to have you guys. So for folks that, that are listening and maybe learning about DN1920 for the first time, how would you summarize the brand in a sentence or two? You know, we we talk about and we use as a motto, heavy duty, old school truth here at DN. And that's uh, that relates to the product, the way we do our business, the relationships that we have with customers, uh, with employees, uh, with vendors. Um, we try to do our work the old-fashioned way. Um, you know, we're serious about what we're doing. We make uh, high-quality, heavy-duty product, um, but we also take time um, in establishing relationships that are, are long-lasting, and uh, that's super important to us. Absolutely, Peter. Could you speak to the kind of the kind of product that you guys make? Yeah, um, you know, we make. Uh product that's going to last uh hopefully your lifetime and 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 live on uh longer than you are so you can hand that on to the next generation and uh that's really our uh intent in everything we make is that it's it's built to last and uh not just last but built to be worked in and beat up a bit and and uh, and stand up very cool and, and i'm surprised this hasn't come up in the description yet but you guys have been around for now over a hundred years. Now we're, we're out of the hundred year mark. It's over a hundred years. What an incredible accomplishment. Um, Jim, I know that, so we've been talking to a lot of people that are involved in brands and businesses that have been handed down from generation to generation. And I think that you have a very unique story as to how you found yourself at DN. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, DN is a, uh, a family owned, family run business. Um, it's third generation, uh, with fourth and fifth generations, uh, kind of lined up, but, uh, I'm an in-law I'm married into the family. So I'm not, um, I wasn't born under this roof. Um, married, I married a DN on the East coast and uh, we moved here to the Pacific Northwest. Um, once we were married and pregnant uh, with our first. So, um, I've been part of the company for 35 years. Um, started uh, by answering the phone and um, have uh, worked my way up the ladder, uh, literally, to, um, uh, to own the business and uh, be the president of the company. Very cool. Do you think there was any particular reason why, why you were the one that was chosen? Uh, you know, even especially being a degree, degree out, right? Not bloodline. Why was it, why was it you and not somebody else? 
Yeah, it, I don't think I was necessarily the chosen one. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, through many years, I've stuck with the business uh, through ups and downs. And, um, you know, the, the, the arc of a family business is sometimes very finite. Uh, and we can talk a little bit more about that. But um, I, I happen to enjoy what I do. Uh, I'm passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about what we do as a company, the uh, product that we make, uh, the people that we employ, uh, all very important to me. So it's, it's, uh, it really is a, a family atmosphere here uh, at work every day. Very cool. Um, yeah, I, I want to dive into that, that kind of arc, arch that you're talking about. Um, you know, I always think about, you know, there are stereotypes that are associated with maybe being the firstborn child or the middle child or, or the youngest child. Are there stereotypes when it comes to like the, the different generations in a family business? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's uh, many case studies in business schools about family businesses and um, uh, the, the stereotypical uh, route of a family business is the first generation starts that business, rolls up their sleeves, establishes a business, works hard to just uh, gain a foothold in the marketplace. Uh, the second generation is the generation really that grows the business, oftentimes making it a profitable business, uh, expanding their footprint. Um, and then the third generation is born into the business and doesn't necessarily have the passion that the first and second generation had for the business. A lot of things are assumed, taken for granted, uh, the proverbial uh, silver spoon in your mouth. Um, so oftentimes third generation family businesses go under uh, or, or are sold uh, outside the family um, simply because people are put into positions not because of their ability or their desire uh, or their passion, but simply because of a bloodline. Mm -hmm. So given, given that you aren't a part of that bloodline, right? You have this kind of unique family stance. How, how is that stereotype true or not true for Dean? So, yeah, I mean, Dean, in fact, was following that script pretty darn closely. Uh, I arrived in 85. Uh, there were six siblings running the business in the business and you know i don't care what you do but anytime you have six siblings doing anything together you know there's going to be some uh, butting of heads it's a lot of cooks um, <laughs> absolutely so it, it was uh, it was a challenge and and over time uh, certain certain family members stepped away from the business chose to do other things and there was kind of a winnowing of uh of uh, employees or ownership, um, but also realized that the company wasn't not successful. I mean, in 85, the company was what, uh, 65 years old. You know, we were making a lot of different product. We were in a lot of different markets. We are manufacturing uh, apparel in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and we're already an outlier in 85 by continuing to do that. So, the business was okay, it was doing fine, but there just wasn't, uh, I've used the word passion a couple of times already, but there wasn't a lot of passion behind the brand or behind the products that we were making. Mm -hmm. So how did you incite a passion uh, for, 
for the product and for the the manufacturing and the history? Was it by answering phones? Well, I, I got a good experience by answering the phone, that's for sure, and, and the ins and outs and the do's and don'ts of how to treat customers. Uh, so I, I learned that pretty quickly. But um, over the years, you know, U.S. apparel manufacturing, it's an old story now, but was being offshore. You know, many companies were closing the door, their doors domestically and building product overseas. Dean, uh, for a couple of reasons, decided not to do that and to continue uh, to fight the good fight here in the States. Um, but it became more and more difficult. Some of the items that we were making, rugby shirts in particular at the time in the 90s, uh, were ubiquitous in the marketplace, being made all over the world at all kinds of price points. And it got to a point where Dean really couldn't compete um, fairly uh, in that marketplace. So we had to scratch our head a little bit and also be open to new ideas and new influences. And I think, um, I mean, the reason why I stayed with the company is because I, I hadn't been brought up within the business. I still thought that there was plenty of opportunity. There's a lot of hope. Um, I think I brought, again, passion uh, to the position or to the job every day. Um, in the hopes that things would turn around or we'd figure it out over time. So I had a lot of patience. Do you think that you're at the point now where that's, you know, quote unquote, figured out? Uh, far from, I think far from <laughs> it. Uh, we've, uh, we've certainly made some inroads and done some things correctly. Um, we've held on, we, we, we continue to build product here in the States. You know, over the last 10 years, the marketplace is, changed again. And I think there is a, a much greater awareness to US manufacturing. Uh, that's become important in certain segments of the marketplace. So we're at a good place. So when it comes to uh, talking about American manufacturing, what are the things that DN 1920 is doing that's that are different than the rest of American manufacturing? Yeah, but, but, you know, not the mere fact that we've held on and continue to build product the way we always have. I mean, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, there were numerous regional companies just like Dian making high quality U.S. made product out of the same materials that we make, that we use today. So mm -hmm. we weren't, you know, so different. What's different is that we've continued to do those same things year in and year out, decade after decade here in the States. So now all of a sudden our quality, our weight of product, our look of product is somewhat unique. Mm -hmm. uh, people haven't seen it. The newer generation hasn't seen this kind of quality uh, in their lives. So it's something special, uh, but it's something that we've always done. It's something that we've always been familiar with and comfortable with. I will say I, I'll I'll put a, a shameless plug for you guys. When I got when I got my I, I got a DN T-shirt. I have a heavy duty old school truth T-shirt that I got a couple years ago, but I got it. I got a Christman this past year, and when I opened it up, I, like I knew I was going to get something of a high quality, and I knew it was going to be something that I really loved. But but my my response, and maybe it was even audible upon opening it up, was like, yeah, they're not messing around. Like this isn't a joke. Um, this is. That's like a thing when when you say, you know, your your grandkids 
you, you pass it down to your grandkids. We have a um, like a family farmhouse out out in the Berkshires of Massachusetts where we'll come across clothes that my grandfather, great grandfather had, and it's it's they're built like Dean builds them now, like you build them now. Um, it's really incredible. It's like a, a thing that you don't you don't really know you can't know completely until you've put your hands on it. Um, just just love you guys. Biggest biggest fan ever. <laughs> oh, this is so cool. Um, so. Jim, how would you explain, you know, you talk about passion, you talk about, uh, you know, you, you don't call yourself the chosen one, but you sound a whole hell of a lot like the chosen one. <laughs> how do you explain the the serendipity between, you know, your mindset and your values aligning with those of the brand? Well, I, I think a couple of things. One, um, we, and I'll say we, because there's numerous people involved, were wise enough to listen to some outside voices, uh, you know, probably about 10 years ago when, when people came into the business or, or looked at the business and said, you guys have some equity here that you're not utilizing. You know, you've got a, a fantastic history. You make fantastic product. Uh, you're making it in Portland, Oregon, which is uh, very uncommon today. You need to be telling the story. You need to be blowing your own horn a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so we listened to that. And I think the first step was just realizing that, uh, yeah, we are kind of special. We are a bit different today. And maybe we should, you know, stand up a little high, uh, taller, uh, puff out our chest just a bit, um, because that, that's not really who we are. I mean, I think uh, almost to a person, uh, Dan employees are pretty humble, pretty unassuming. Uh, you know, we, we do our work and, and uh, punch out at the end of the day and, and go home and come back and do it again tomorrow kind of thing. But it was important that we tell the story and, and realize that um, we're doing something different than most. Uh, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So from there, uh, you know, we started to promote our classic, traditional, uh, tried and true styles that, you know, really don't go out of fashion. Uh, they'll, they'll wane and wax a bit, but the fact is a good cardigan, a good quarter zip, a good varsity jacket can be sold pretty much always, or that's our experience anyway. Uh, we make timeless product. Um, you know, Dean is not a fad. Uh, we're not trending. Uh, you know, we, we, we make what we make because we believe in what we make. And there's a certain percentage of the population, I think, that will always want what we do. So um, we're fortunate in that in today's world, we can, we have a much greater reach than we did even a decade ago. And that's what we're learning. I mean, I think that's one of the today's challenges for me, certainly, but for the business is how do you take this small Portland, Oregon company of 20 employees uh, who makes a great product and uh, go out into the marketplace and make yourself heard. Um, so that, that's what we're doing, trying to do today. Absolutely. So I, I want to ask you both the question. I, I know you, you both probably have different perspectives on this, but when you 
when you remove the factor of, of bloodline, right? What, what makes a family business a family business? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I have the perspective of not being um, affiliated with the family um, in, in any way. Um, so uh, I've been with the company for a year and a half now. And, and really from the, the first day, it sounds cliche, but from the first day, there's um, the, this kind of relationship with everybody else. Um, there's, there's so many people here that have such a long tenure with the company um, that know so many details about um, not just their role, but uh, the, the entire company's history. And, and uh, it's just um, pretty incredible to see how everybody interacts. There is kind of like, a, I wouldn't say like a parental relationship, but definitely like, a, um, like a, an elder relationship. That, that, so I, I'm trying to get this knowledge passed down from, from really everybody in, in the building. Um, there's so much skill and uh, years and years, decades and decades of experience under this roof. And it's a really special place. So I think that, uh, yeah, there's, there is definitely a, a communication. There's, there's uh, lightheartedness. There's a butting of heads. There's, there's kind of everything that you get within a family. Um, right. But at the end of the day, everybody cares about the next person and they care about the company. Um, and it's, uh, that's, that's my experience about this feeling like a family, um, even, even though not, my, my last name is not Dean. Right. You know, uh, it's a little bit odd for me because I am an in-law and uh, at, at some family functions, I've been accused of, of, of stealing the family business. Um, <laughs> okay. Lightheartedly, lightheartedly. But um, the fact is, is that we do treat our employees um, like family. Uh, that's the way we treat one another. Um, I think that's the way I'm treated. I'm, I'm treated more like uh, an older brother or uh, in some cases a father, father figure, but uh, not necessarily as the boss. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we did, I, I will say that during the pandemic, we learned a lot. I learned a lot, or realized a lot about the company. Uh, we did a 25 week long uh, business family Fridays posting on Instagram. So every Friday I wrote uh, a profile on one of our employees or talked about what was happening during the pandemic. And in doing so, you know, came to realize and better appreciate each and every one of these people. And if you take a look at it, I think you'll, you know, that it comes through loud and clear how special, how unique each of these people are. So, um, I'd encourage you, Lucas, if you haven't already read it, and, and some of your followers to, to go ahead and go back and take a look at uh, our Instagram uh, feed uh, and learn a little bit more about everybody here. I had but notifications I on for those posts. <laughs> I was the first yeah. one to see them. <laughs> no, it was a, a really, really great series and even more endearing to know that it was coming from the top. I think that's yeah. that's really cool. I think about hear about, uh, you know, P Peter's experience, the way that he summarizes it. And I think about when I first got hired to work for uh, all this, I'm just going to say, it. who cares? When I first got hired to work for Whole Foods and a manager there said, well, welcome to the Whole Foods family. And my response was like, oh, so, okay. So that's how we're playing this. <laughs> like that's how this is going to be. But that's a very, so coming from a place of maybe a little bit of corporate jade, 
it's a very different experience in a small business. And to be, to be in that kind of family atmosphere is like, yeah, maybe there's a little bit more comfort in telling somebody how you feel or telling somebody it's a little more authentic when you tell someone they did a good job. And, and you can see that, especially in those posts. I, I to echo, echo what you said, Jim, go back and check those out if you haven't seen those. So let's talk a little bit about the distinction uh, between you know, the hundred year old legacy of DN and the DN 1920 label. And correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is, so, so DN has a long history of doing manufacturing for others. And DN 1920 uh, was, was the genesis of you guys having your own clothing label collection that was made specifically by you guys, correct? Yeah, and uh, I, I wanna say 2011, about 10 okay. years ago, we, we um, again on the input and encouragement of others decided to put together a collection, a brand, uh, mm -hmm. DN 1920 and come out with seasonal releases um, for the men, specifically for the menswear market. And uh, that's really what the company's focus has become today. Uh, even though we're still doing other things, um, it's really what our North Star has become and something that we're very excited about uh, is mm -hmm. the DN 20 line. Our online presence is DN 1920. Okay. So do you still do manufacturing and, and kind of on the, on the wholesale front for people that I know you guys have a history of cheerleading and I think you sent me a, a letter once on a letterhead from a, when you were doing swimwear in the seventies. Um, are you guys still doing stuff like that? We're no longer doing swimwear. Okay. okay. All right. However, we do still manufacture cheerleading uniforms. Um, and we're still, we do a little bit of private label work, although it's not something we're pursuing. We, uh, People will come to us and ask if we'll uh, help them build out their lines. And we've really started to turn that business away uh, again, because our focus is elsewhere on our own brand and building that equity in 1920. Absolutely. So when you're at that jumping off point to, to create the, the label within the business, where did your, you know, 90 years of institutional memory and experience where did that help you and what what were you learning from scratch because I, I i love the way i jim I, i've heard you describe dn before as a hundred year old startup and i think that that has such a cool ring to it <laughs> it's such a cool kind of sentiment but i it sounds like you're speaking maybe specifically to that experience so I, i'd love to hear more about that yeah i mean so we didn't have to learn how to how to cut fabric or knit fabric or sew we knew how to do that. We knew how to put together a garment um, and, and do it the right way. Um, but what we needed to learn how to do is market our ability and mm -hmm. how to um, go to market and promote our product uh, in a new way. Again, I talked a little bit about us um, really, you know, we used to keep our head down. We, we, we didn't network, you know, that, that was a, not a bad term, but it's just not a term that we would use. Sure. Today, you know, we're, we're going out looking for collaborative work. We're looking to establish relationships. Uh, working with American Field, for instance, uh, I think the first show we went to was about three years ago in Brooklyn. You know, uh, that was very important for us to speak directly to consumers and show consumers who we are, how we do our business, and what our product looks like. Uh, 
people need to touch and feel a, a DN sweater or a DN jacket. Uh, right. They'll be impressed. It's difficult to convey that um, online. Um, so we've made a real effort to get out there, shake some hands. And, you know, I've also been very fortunate to find some new and younger employees who are much more comfortable than I am in doing that. Uh, so Peter, Peter's been a welcome addition. Um, my designer, Nathaniel Christman, is, uh, just had been a, a wonderful addition. He, I think he came to the business in 13 or 14. Uh, and then his wife a few years after that, Rachel. And uh, these people have really helped, you know, pull me along and sometimes uh, kicking and screaming. Uh, are you sure we should be doing this? Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're moving forward for sure. We're learning a lot. Um, but I also think that, you know, we're, we're taking it one step at a time. We're only doing things that feel right for the brand and for the company. Right. We're not, you know, trying to light the world on fire. Uh, we still, you know, know kind of our place in the market. Uh, we're not trying to pretend to be somebody we're not. So, so Jim, you've talked about some of the challenges, um, and and Peter, I know, you know you're you're coming in. You're the young buck. You, you you're probably the one that's inciting these fight, these uh, kicking and screaming moments. What are some of the challenges of uh, transitioning a hundred year old brand into the digital age? There's there's all sorts of challenges um, in in a number of fronts. You know, even just converting. Uh, processes, you know, um, uh, how do we, how do we take an order and fulfill that order and ship that order? What does that process look like? And there's, um, so many different, uh, softwares that we could use, different apps that we can use, different plugins that we can use for our website. Um, we recently within my time here, uh, transitioned the website to another platform. And, and so it's, uh, small things that seem small that can make a very, very big difference in, uh, the execution of how we go about uh, totally. making things easier from from add to cart to deliver to you. So um, right. there's been uh, so many different processes. And, and even within uh, the year that we've had, how do we transition away from in-person shows where we would go and show the line for all of our wholesalers, go to market, um, take the line, and uh, how do we transition into purely digital? Um, doing interactions like this, having meetings over Zoom, showing the line without having samples to show people and touch and feel. Uh, there's been all sorts of uh, changes and growing pains just within this year. Peter, do you feel like, uh, you know, coming in at the at the tail end of a hundred year, year history, right? There's 98 years of institutional knowledge before you joined. Uh, do you see, do you, are you able to see an effect of, you know, the, the history of the brand in either is there pushback to new things when new things come just either from the institution or the people within do you run into problems there i don't think i don't think pushback's the right word but i do think there's um uh, like jim said there's just a strong sense of okay but is it dn like is it is it us and and i think that's just like the the number one filter that everything goes through it's like okay that's i'll throw out an idea and it's like okay it is is that dn and if the answer is yes, then there's another a number of other filters that we need to get through. But um, you know, is that true to what we do and and um, within our range? And and that's always just a good thing to have top of mind and, and revisit. And so I think that's that's very uh, 
very true to the brand and, and uh, the first thing that we think of when it's, it's a new development or if it's an event that we want to be a part of or if it's a partnership or a collaboration, that's always the first question. And, uh, and I think it's an important one. So I don't know that it's major pushback, but uh, there's definitely some filters that we work through. Absolutely. Sounds like this idea of passing everything through that first grade of, of is it DN is, I think that walks hand in hand with this idea of heavy duty, old school truth. Yeah. Um, and, and while we're on the topic of, of heavy duty, uh, you know, and I think about opening up my Christmas and taking, you know, I, I have a heavy, the load and mix, the, like the heavier wool, that's not, it's not going anywhere. Like <laughs> it, you didn't need a tank to, to make any damage to that thing. Right. Uh, it's very clearly a product, unlike my cell phone or my AirPods or my computer or my, you know, car air filter that's built to break and get me to go back into the Best Buy or auto parts store a year later. Um, so you guys have a very unique challenge uh, and unique opportunity in telling the story of these garments that are are built to last. What are how do you how do you do that effectively? Well, it, it starts with the product. Um, the product's got to be right. Um, it's got to be everything we say it is. Um, when you open that box, we do want you to be impressed. Uh, mm -hmm. You need to be impressed. Um, as I said earlier, our product is not inexpensive, um, but it is of high value. Um, yeah. How do you how do you teach a, a new customer to understand that value for the first time? Because you're right, it, it's it's not. I'm I'm used to seeing that degree of the degree of price that is justified to, you know, to assign to a DN product, but every, not everybody does. <laughs> How do you explain that to a new customer? Yeah. Well, I, I do think, first of all, we're only going to gain or, or attract a certain percentage of the marketplace. Totally. I do feel that in today's world uh, with sustainability being such a big buzzword that DN is can could become much more popular than it is today. Because if you buy a DN sweater, I mean, literally, you will have it the rest of your life. Uh, you're not going to need to buy another cardigan unless you want another DN cardigan, you know, in a different color. Um, so I do think that, again, that's where we talk about the value of what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. um, young people, there's a certain percentage of young people who already instinctively or who know that, uh, who know that buying something once is the way to do it. That's cool. I, I've I've never heard someone older than me recognize that <laughs> about my generation. That's uh, he he, uh, he fights for the millennials, huh? He gets this. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, and Jim, you have a you have a daughter who's about my age, right? So there's probably a, there's a vested interest in defending the world world press. So, but we we appreciate it. Millennials get a whole have a lot of slack. Um, Cool guys. So, what's what's uh, what's next to look forward to? What should we be keeping our eye out for for DN nineteen twenty in twenty twenty one? Well, I will say, you know, during the pandemic, like every small business out there, we've had to, you know, we struggled. Our wholesale business pretty much went away. Our custom business pretty much went away, and uh, like a lot of brands, we pivoted a little quicker than anticipated towards uh, direct to consumer. So mm -hmm. we've tried some things this past year that have been pretty successful for us. 
um, doing some pre-sales on some very special product. Um, and that allows us to kind of test the market, see if a, a concept will work or not uh, prior to building product and then taking deposits that would help us, you know, invest in raw materials and in production uh, ahead of time uh, as we're building that product. Uh, that's one of the things that we've done. The other thing is going out and looking for dead stock uh, material and building again, special makeups and offering very limited 20, 30 pieces at a time of an item. Uh, um, that scarcity has seemed to really increase the interest in what we're doing. Um, so that's been um, a nice little uh, boost uh, for us. And, and then the other thing that we did during the pandemic was we opened up a, a retail store here at the factory. Uh, and this allows people to come in wearing a mask and safely touch and feel and try on uh, this product that uh, they may have heard about or that is being made right outside the store. So people are able to get uh, a peek behind the curtain, if you will, and see what we're making. Uh, they hear the noises of the machines. Peter oftentimes will take employees out into the, into the factory. You could talk a little bit about that, Peter. Um, but I, I think that um, we've done a good job in reaching out to directly to consumers and doing a better job in telling the story. Absolutely. I agree with that. As a someone who's watching the story play out, I think you guys have done a really solid job. Peter, uh, I, I don't want to spill any beans here, but you, there's some pretty cool stuff coming up this year in terms of product too, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like Jim said, we've got some really cool things coming out um, in that special makeup category. So really limited runs, um, really exclusive materials. If it's dead stock, um, we just did a run of uh, a dead stock Woolrich jacquard, and we did our Flyers Club jacket, which has this really plush Mouton collar, um, and it's just really striking. And uh, you know, we only did 24 pieces, and so it's they're, they're there until they're not. And um, we've got a lot of that coming out in a lot of different styles, um, styles we've not done before. Um, so there's a lot to be excited about, um, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, We've got some other things that are coming in the building here shortly that are going to be exclusively directly to consumer and, and not available for wholesale. So um, Very cool. there's a lot to look forward to. I love it. I always think about, I had a friend when I first got into raw denim, probably four or five years ago, who did like a, like a breakdown of what's the cost per wear, right? You know, people do like check marks in their pockets and stuff, but he had a really, really almost like a detailed spreadsheet. And I've always thought about that, but now I'm in a, I'm in a no more buying jeans period for a little while. I got to wear what I have, but yeah. come, come, uh, starting to get warmer out now. So probably come fall of next year, I'm going to invest in some, uh, probably a flyers club Peter, We're talking this the other day, but, but like a, a heavy duty winter jacket from, from you guys. And, and I think that's where I'm going to, I'm going to do my keep track of this is how long I have it. And it's going to last way longer than I could ever, ever stretch any pair of jeans out ever. I'm sure. So. That'll, that'll be a cool thing to pass down the line someday to whoever's fortunate enough to get that. So everyone better be on their best behavior if they want to get <laughs> Uncle Lukey's jacket. <laughs> cool, guys. So where's the best way for, for people to stay in touch and keep learning about you? You can follow us at Instagram. That's our best uh, uh, social handle. And really the, the, the only handle that we're active on is, is Instagram. And that's at DN1920. Um, and we, we pronounce it DN. It's spelled D-E-H-E-N. I've heard all sorts of uh, pronunciations, but uh, we say Dian. 
sure um, you can get creative with that. Exactly. Um, and, uh, and our website as well, dn1920.com, um, where you can also find Jim mentioned, um, if you're local to Portland or visiting, uh, you can come in and to the factory store where I'm, where I'm at right now and actually feel and touch and try on our garments. And, um, to, to your question earlier, I think that's one of the best ways to really get an understanding of, um, what this product is, is, is to really touch and see and feel. Pictures are great, but uh, in-person is the real deal. Like you said, when you opened the box. Totally. It's a, it's an experience. Yeah. I've, uh, I've told, I've told a handful of people that X location is the first spot on the map when, when the pandemic is over, but I, I can say pretty confidently that I think the PNW is, is probably number one and you guys are on the top of that list. So look forward to hanging out in person, touching all the jackets. I might just fly out in just a t-shirt and a mask. <laughs> the rest is up to you guys <laughs> we've got it here for you yeah we'll dress you love it jim peter thank you guys so much for your time look forward as i said to seeing you guys in person again soon and hope you guys stay safe and well in the meantime we, really appreciate, we really appreciate the opportunity lucas absolutely uh, best of luck the series uh, appreciate it you're doing good work appreciate that you, you heard it here first we're doing good work <laughs> i'm lucas fitz and this is a fireside to learn more about all the brands featured on the podcast, check out fireside.shopaf.co. And don't forget to subscribe to us on your streaming platform of choice. Thanks for listening.